you have a lot of different steps where you could be failing. The only way I can approach this is by presenting the problems that it could be and solutions to each. I have 15. Everyone listening is going to get some different points of value out of this. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkinSports.com, Brian Clapp. Well, thanks, everybody. We took last week off. You may have noticed. I hope you noticed. I mean, I hope that you were like, oh, no, where's the show this week? If not, I'm a little hurt, but we'll get over it. We're back this week. We've got great content for you. We've got a long lineup of guests that have been booked and have been interviewed and we're ready to roll with. We took last week off for a couple of reasons. One, our amazing editor, Kevin, who makes the magic on this show, was in Disney with his daughter. And he deserved a little time off. So, you know, I'm not going to lower the bar on what we're creating by trying to do it myself. I mean, that's a bad idea. So, hey, we take a week off. We breathe a little. We rejuvenate. And we come back with even better content moving forward. So, welcome back, Kevin. Hope you had a great time at Disney. Coming up on Wednesday, we'll have... Sarah Flynn, CMO of 35 Ventures and Boardroom, which, if you're not familiar, that's Kevin Durant's venture capital company, 35 Ventures. And Boardroom is one of their sports business sites. It does a ton of sports business information and marketing and athlete marketing and just a lot of knowledge on that space. It's not just a stodgy sports business page. It's really tied into the trends and the forward movement of our sports world. So, Worth checking out, but Sarah's amazing. Sarah and I were on a panel together, so I was the moderator. She was one of the panelists at Hashtag Sports, and we really hit it off. At least I felt so. I have a tendency to think that, though, and I hope people feel the same way about me, but I'm not inside their head, so I don't really know. I always liked them, though. Sarah, I really liked because she was no bullshit. Uh, she said strong things. She had really forceful opinions. She didn't shy away from from really having a, a distinct point of view. So I wanted to bring her back and have an interview with her and really get to sit and talk with her. So it's great, great, great conversation. So you'll enjoy that coming up on Wednesday. But today for our Monday episode, happy Halloween. I hope you're still going to listen. And if not, listen tomorrow, November 1st. But today we have a really cool topic. It's from Lorena in Texas who wrote in. Hi, Brian. I'm pretty new to the podcast. A friend told me about it and I've been really enjoying the guidance you provide. You may have covered this question in the past, but I'm struggling for answers and hoping you can help. I've got a good degree, I've done internships, and I'm just not getting job offers. I'm frustrated, but even more than that, I'm scared. Do you have any strategies that may help me? Lorena, this is a great question. Thank you for coming into our community and listening to the podcast. I will have you and everybody else listening know. You can email me your questions, bclap at workinsports.com. You can message me on LinkedIn. You can DM us on Twitter, at workinsports. You can get in contact with us with your questions. We can handle them just like we're handling Lorena's. Thank you for sending yours in. The other point I'd make too is just to remember every episode, and this is like, 501, which is crazy. It's still kind of blowing my mind a little bit. Every episode we've done is evergreen, meaning it covers a topic that's still just as relevant today as it was the day we published it. So you can go back and listen to any of our past archive and feel like you're learning something that is applicable today. I'm not going on those pa- on those past shows. I'm not talking about who won the game last night, or I'm not talking about something that happened right in that moment because that's not relevant anymore. Every topic is relevant, whether it's internships, interviewing, strategies for networking, all of it's there. So feel free to go back and look. I will say, I think this is a really good topic. I like to bring back fundamental conversations often because they're so important. So let's dig into this. I don't know exactly what's going on in your process. I don't even know where you are in the process. So the only way I can approach this is by presenting 
the problems that it could be and solutions to each. I have 15. <laughs> the good news here is that everyone listening is going to get some different points of value out of this. So if I, it was only Lorena saying this one specific thing is going wrong for me and I dove in really deep into that, that might only help Lorena or some, a handful of other people. This is going to be pretty encompassing. All right. There's a lot, there's a lot that could be going wrong. So let's cover it all. Now, the way it's going to be organized is based on the hiring pipeline. And the way I describe that is you have a lot of different steps where you could be failing, depending on what level of reaction you're getting from, from potential employers. Meaning if you're not getting any responses to your application, that's a very early pipeline process problem because you're going to apply for jobs and then maybe you'll get a phone interview and then maybe you'll get a video interview and then maybe you'll get a panel interview and then you're going to get a job offer. Well, if you're getting all the way to the end and not getting the job offer, that's a different problem than if you're not getting any responses at the very beginning. So we've got a layered approach to these different problems that could be happening to you. We're going to start at the beginning and work our way up to the end of the pipeline. Whoo, boy, we got a lot to cover. Buckle up. Okay, so it starts us off with the first batch. You aren't getting called at all after you apply for jobs. Number one, you're not customizing your resume for that particular job. So the problem I see with a lot of people applying for jobs is that they have been given an assignment while they're in college that they have to build a resume and they build a resume and then they think they're done and they just send that resume out to all different kinds of employers. That's a miss because employers are getting a lot of resumes and it, jobs are different. They have different requirements in them. They have different needs and skill sets and demands of a role. You need to be customizing your resume for the jobs that you are applying for. Now, that doesn't always have to be massively dramatic. I'm not saying you need to have 500 different versions of your resume, but you may need to highlight and emphasize certain skills that match this particular job that you're applying for versus just giving that one base resume that you created your junior year. You need to be a little bit more agile than that. You need to be a little bit more intentional than that. So you have to look at a job description and then say, okay, it's clear to me the emphasis of this role. They need somebody that can do X, Y, Z, and Q. I have to make sure I'm highlighting that I have those skills on my resume. If two of them are on there and five of them aren't, you need to make adjustments. If you don't have those skills, I think that should be a red flag to you that this is a job that I want, but I don't have the skills what they need. I need to improve myself too. So there's a little bit of self-analysis has to take place here. That's a key reason why you might not be getting noticed. Number two, you may be applying for too many jobs. Here's what I mean. If you're not going at it with intention of where your skills fit, and instead you're thinking, I want to be in this exact geographic location, or I want to work exactly for this team, and I'm just going to apply for any job they have that pops up, or every job in this region, or every job that I see, you're not being intentional. And... All of these teams, leagues, and organizations have applicant tracking systems, which we're going to get into in this section too, so pay attention. They have applicant tracking systems. And what they, that means is that they engineer this process through software. When you're applying for every job that pops up at the Indianapolis Colts because you went to Ball State and that's where you want to be, they know that you're applying for everything that comes in. And that sends a signal to them that you're not necessarily interested in this particular role. You are interested in working for this particular team. And that message means you're a fan and that's not interesting to them. I would also add in this concept of applying for too many jobs, you're working at scale and volume, and most people aren't attracted to that. 
It's a competitive world. You have to do that little extra bit different. And customizing a resume, being intentional with your approach, really researching companies and understanding their culture and tone, customizing your cover letter, customizing your resume, it's going to give you a higher success rate. I'd so much rather see you apply for five jobs that you really put a lot of effort into than 30 that you're just spraying it out there, same exact resume, same exact cover letter, same exact approach, and praying some result happens. Number three, you might not be applying for the right jobs. Are you aiming too high? Are you thinking you want to work in baseball, so you're applying for a job with the Houston Astros or the New York Yankees? Think about minor leagues and building and growth and climbing a ladder. If you want to work in the NBA, think about the G League. You know, think about some of these opportunities. If you want to work in college sports, maybe you start D2. I'm not saying you have to lower your goals. I'm saying you need to get in somewhere, gain some experience, continue to build your network, really get a point of view on where your fit is in the industry and grow. Be okay with growing. If you're only applying for jobs that may be looking for five years experience or big market experience or whatever, you're not going to get noticed. When I was a news director at Fox Sports Northwest, I get resume reels in from somebody that was working at a really tiny market station. And I'd look at it and be like, you're not ready for this market yet. You need to build a little bit more. And if you're only applying for jobs with the biggest names in our industry, they may be thinking of you the same way. Like, yeah, 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 you great, but you're not ready for this. So be okay with building. Number four, your resume is not formatted for the ATS, applicant tracking system. Applicant tracking systems are a computerized method of processing applications. They will ingest all of these 500 applicants that come in for their job opening. It will parse the data, understand if you're matching the job description, and then elevate those that are the best. But key point here, the first thing they do as a software program is strip out all the formatting. So if you have your resume and it's based in columns or the text goes, you know, in, in, in a different format than just straight left to right, if there's pictures in it, if there's design elements, if it's not really focused on keywords that associate with the job description, your resume is going to look like a garbled mess. We've covered the ATS a lot on this show. We have a lot of information on our resource center. Please, please, please look into maximizing your resume for the applicant tracking system because that just might be affecting the way you are perceived. You might have all the right knowledge and skills and opportunities to get this job, but you're not presenting yourself the right way so that can be digested. Number five, your networking efforts are not helping you lift your visibility. You should be very, very intentional with your networking uh, opportunities. Like I say, if you've identified you wanted to work in the NBA in operations, like you're like, that's my career clarity. I want to go down this path. I want to work in the NBA. I want to work in operations. You should be reaching out to operations coordinators in the G League, starting to build your network there, starting to talk with these people, learn more about the role, ask good questions, build relationships, start to do that in the NBA as well. And then you can start to build so that when you're applying for jobs, maybe you know somebody that organization, maybe you know somebody that's on this path that can give you some advice or they can tell you maybe that they know somebody over there you know, start to build relationships in the right spots. Be very intentional about your networking opportunities because that can raise your visibility in the employment world. Okay. So those are some of the early phase pipeline problems. So now let's pretend that you're getting initial phone calls or virtual interview requests, but then you're not progressing any further after that. Like somebody saying, okay, I looked at your resume Read your cover letter, check your references, all looks good. Let's have a conversation. And then crickets afterwards, you don't hear anything. What's the problem here? What seems to be the officer problem? Number six, you're too casual in the phone calls. A lot of times people interpret because they'll get an outreach from HR and it will say like, hey, I just want to have a quick chat with you about this role and blah, blah, blah. And you hear 
HR person, not hiring manager, HR representative, chat, things like that. And your, your signal goes to, this is casual. I can just take this kind of casually. Wrong. It's an interview. You got to be prepped. You got to be serious. You got to be researched. You got to be intentional. You need to be ready for these moments. These are your first brand impression. I tell you all, all the time that your brand is getting established in every conversation and every email and every outreach. All of that is your personal brand. You have to take it seriously. If you get an opportunity like this, do not be too casual. Number seven, not enough specific examples. If they're asking you questions during the re- interview process, on a phone call, on a virtual interview, you can't be super generic. If you are really generic and high level and you're not really getting into the details of what you've done, what you've accomplished, how you analyze a problem, things of that nature, you're not going to stand out. You're just going to blend in. You're going to sound like a bunch of buzzwords that have been repeated in textbooks. And that's not good enough. Your experiences, the things you've accomplished, the things you've done, being able to illuminate them in stories and being specific about accomplishments is how you're going to be memorable and stand out in the interview process. Number eight, you're poorly researched into the company. The first phase interview that you're going to have will probably be with an HR rep rather than the hiring manager. And the HR rep is going to ask you a lot of common type questions that might be easy to research and understand. But they're also going to expect that you know something about the role, that you know something about the company, that you know something about the reporting structure, the revenue structure, things of that nature. If they start to ask you questions about, well, you know, what have you learned about iHire as you're first getting started? You know, or you enter this interview process. What interests you in this job? Why are you approaching this? If you can can't have good, solid answers there about the direction, about the growth opportunities, about the marketplace, about partnership deals that they've launched. If you're not doing your research beforehand, you come off unprepared, you come off in uninterested. So be ready and research for these conversations. Number nine, not prepped for common questions. Again, the HR person giving this is going to be different than the hiring manager. The hiring manager is going to get really into the specifics of a job probably, and the culture and the experience and the expectations. The HR person may ask more general things. Tell me about yourself. Why did this job interest you? What are your biggest weaknesses? Be prepared for those conversations. Remember, the HR rep's reputation is on the line. They have to do a good job of pooling the interviews into a really good group that the next hiring manager says, wow, this group's amazing. Thank you so much. If the hiring manager that does the next phase of interviews is like, all these people are terrible, that reflects poorly on the HR specialist. You need to make their job easy by looking really, really smart and good and that make them want to elevate you to the next person. Number 10, too verbose. I've had an interview recently where the first initial question, which is that layup, tell me a little bit about yourself where that we might not see on your resume or something of that nature just to get the person talking was 25 minutes. Too much. People are falling asleep. Like be to the point, concise, making really engaging in your conversation and your style. Please don't give me the, and then I did this and then I did that and then I did this. That's going to bore people to death. Number 11, if you're not focused on the entire picture of how you present yourself. Now, we talked about common interview questions. We talked about what you're saying, but your body language and your approach is also super important. If you're on a video call, are you making eye contact? Are you smiling? Are you pleasant? Are you well-dressed? If you're on a virtual interview, do you speak with confidence? If you're on the phone, are you enthusiastic? Are you respectful? Do you listen well to their questions? Do you pause and not talk over them? All of these little moments go to the entire picture of who you are. I had an interview recently with somebody and I absolutely, I love this line. They said, we don't tolerate 
talented jerks. <laughs> I love that. Break that down. Okay. I don't care if you have all the greatest experiences in the world. If you're talking over somebody, if you're not listening to the questions, if you're being a little bit maybe rude or evasive or disrespectful, I don't care. You don't fit. I won't tolerate talented jerks. Don't be that person that makes that mistake and thinks, I got the skills. You should hire me. Now, those are if you got that first phone interview and you got that uh, or a virtual interview and you didn't get any further. Those were things that could have gone wrong in that phase. Now we're on to the next, the last phase of the pipeline. Maybe you've had a second interview. Maybe you've had a panel interview. Maybe you've had, you know, come down and met the CEO for all I know, but you didn't get the job. That means you're in a top three or four. That's good. You did a lot of things right. But if you're in that top three or four and you didn't get the job, well, what went wrong then? So this is number 12 in our rationales today in our, in our problem solution matrix. Problem, my solution. At this phase, you're not presenting your soft skills well enough. At this phase, they've already vetted that you can do the job. You've passed any technical skill requirements. They've read your resume that's shown all the things that you've done. This phase is about convincing them you are the right match for your leadership, your work ethic, your passion, all of those different things that can come into play. At this phase, they want to know who you are, not just what you've done. So you have to be able to present your soft skills, not just the things that you've done and those accomplishments. They want to learn about you. So if you're not doing that, that's a problem. Number 13, no engaging or memorable stories. Again, at this phase, you need to give us specific examples of what you've done and weave them into stories that make it interesting and compelling to listen to. People want to listen to you and hear your experience and what you learned or whether you were successful or how you you know, pivoted or, or found a solution to a problem. I had, a, I had an interview recently with somebody where they presented a scenario where they had an idea, they hit some massive roadblocks, but they came up with an alternate plan, pivoted, came with a new vendor, still delivered on the product idea and still made money for the company. That's a brilliant story. It's something I've remembered now that I can relay to other people and be like, oh, remember when they talked about this story? They you know, they had this problem. They had this thing that they did. I think that's a brilliant way to go about it. And that's the thing you really need to start to get across. Memorable stories in these final phases that can help you stand out. Number 14, too negative too negative. So many times in this phase, people will come in and they'll start bashing their previous employers. They'll start bashing the process. They'll start to say it as if it's a way of an opportunity at the new organization. But that reads so poorly and so immature in these moments. If you're getting to this phase of a job, you want to be seen as a, a bright, positive light that can make positive change in this organization and really be an asset to this team. If you're just bashing your previous employer, you're bashing some other thing, or you're speaking in a very negative tone, that starts to leave a lasting feeling and taste in your mouth. So nobody wants that. So don't be too negative. I'm not saying you have to be sunny side up. Everything's perfect and wonderful and everything's unicorns and ponies. But having some of that balance and not being too overly negative, but even if you have negative points to make, you have to talk about how you overcame them or how you worked with this problem to get us past it. Just think about solution-oriented answers. Not complaining, not blaming, solutions. And the final one I'll give is at this phase, at this phase of the interview process and of getting a job, 
You can't be evasive. If somebody's asking you a question and you speak in generalities or you speak without specific examples or you kind of lean the question in a different way rather than answering it like Bill Belichick would do if you asked him who's starting, whether it was Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi. Oh, yeah, we'll see how it goes here today. Is that somebody that would be... Look, we're not doing anything here. We're going to go out and we're going to see how it goes today. All right? What would you decide? It will see how it goes today. But what do you have to We'll see how it goes today. You can't be evasive. You can't be like a coach. Coaches don't want to give out the information. You need to. So you have to be specific rather than evasive. If they ask a question, answer it to the best of your ability. And if sometimes you have to be like, that's not somewhere I have a lot of experience, but it is something that interests me and I'd like to grow in that area. That's a better answer than just trying to push the question in a direction that suits you better. So don't be evasive, be honest. We'll see how it goes today. That's 15 different things. So that should be enough for you to get through right now, Lorena, and everybody listening who fits into this in different places. But remember this, as an interviewer, we are trying to reduce the unknown. We don't know you. We've never seen you work. So what are we trying to do? We're trying to learn as much as we can from you. We want to talk to people that you've worked with before, references, we want to see the companies you've worked for before and know like what the progress was there. We want to know about your personality and how you handle certain questions, even when sometimes put into difficult situations. We're trying to reduce the unknown because we're going to make a commitment to you. We're going to bring you into our environment and our expectations, into our growth plans. And if we bring you in, are you going to raise the bar, keep it where it is, or bring it down? We don't know. We're taking a leap of faith. So the more that you can provide that clears up the unknown, the better off you are and the more confident you are. And remember, every step of this phase, whether it's early, you're applying for jobs, middle, you've had some interviews and you're not making the next phase, or the end, you've gotten to the end and not gotten the job. In every one of those moments, somebody on the employer side is in charge of elevating you. They've looked through resumes and they said, this person's ready for a phone call. They've gone through phone calls and said, this person's ready for a next interview. Or they've gone through a next interview and said, this person's ready for a job. Every one of those times, they're bringing it to somebody else. They have to feel confident that they are going to be represented well by you. If I go to my boss tomorrow and say, I think this is the right person that puts me in a vulnerable spot. I have to feel supremely comfortable that you are the right person. So if you're evasive, if you're not really answering questions specifically, that gives me doubt. That gives me unknown. And that makes me fearful to say, that's the one, let's go with them. So it's your job to make the unknown go away. Present yourself fully, completely, transparently, give specifics. And in that early phase stuff, make sure you are answering the questions of need. They're saying in the job description, we need these things. You have to present that you have those things. If you're not doing that, you're not even getting into that first phase. So Lorena, a lot of information here. I know I'm talking a lot. I get excited. These are good topics. These are going to be helpful to a lot of people. And that energizes me. So please continue to listen, Lorena, continue to learn. Everybody else, if you have questions on any of this, reach out to me. Let's continue these conversations because this is how we grow. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please rate, review, subscribe. Listen to Sarah Flynn coming up on Wednesday. Great, great, great interview. And I'll see you all soon.